0: at thee
1: That was Alan Klein, accompanied by uh, Vance Music Director. This is Debbie Bryding. Um Keith, I'm gonna ask you to skip ahead to the judges and then come back to the Matthew, if you can, please. Thank you. Um, let me tell you how we got in the predicament that we're in today. First of all, this judge's text is perhaps my least Favorite text in the entire Bible. When I was in working on my second master's degree, I was flying from Nebraska to Louisville to take a class um, in liberation in interpretation of the Bible. And I was late for the class where we were studying this text, and my professor, who knew me very well, uh didn't know why i was late i was actually late because i would hit a raccoon and i'm on the way to the airport and i missed the plane because i stopped to weep over the the raccoon um <clears throat> but uh she looked at me and she said i thought you just weren't coming today because you don't like this text and uh it, you know, no, I didn't miss class just because I didn't, didn't like the text, but she, she knew very well that I don't like it. It's not exactly this portion, but what it goes on to tell, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. This is Judges 4. And the Israelites have moved into the land of Canaan, and they are now fighting the people who are the inhabitants of Canaan for the land. Judges is really a, a lot about the battles that they have. And so it starts like this The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. So the Lord sold them into the hand of King Jabed of Canaan, who reigned in Hazar. The commander of his army was Sisera. Feel free to boo when you hear that name. Who lived in in, you know, that place there, Harasha HaGoyim. Then the Israelites cried to the Lord for help, and he had 900 chariots of iron and had oppressed the Israelites cruelly for 20 years. At that time, Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel. She used to sit under the palm Of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim and the Israelites came up to her for judgment and she sent and summoned Barak the son of Abaddon from Kadesh to Naphtali and said to him the Lord the God of Israel commands you go take position at Mount Tabor bringing 10,000 from the tribe of Naphtali and the tribe of Zebulun I draw will draw out Sisera, thank you, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the Wadi Kishon, with his chariots and troops, and I will give him into your hand. For it is as if a man, oh no. I will draw him into your hand. Okay, and that's where it ends. And then the story goes on, and Sisera fights, boo, and he's a bad guy, and he, he goes into the tent of Ya'el, and if you want to imply that that's a metaphor, you probably can. And Ya'el gets him fat and sassy on, on buttermilk, and he lies down to take a nap, and she nails a tent peg through his temple, and nails his head to the ground, and kills him, and therefore they win the war, and the Deborah goes on to sing a song about how glorious Yael is, and how, she, how may she be blessed, and blah, 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 and feminist biblical scholars love this text, except for because it's gross, she kills a guy. And she's made a hero for doing it. So, I don't like this text. And as I looked at it today, I thought, I don't like this text. I, I, I have trouble seeing what's redemptive about it. And so I thought, well great. We'll go to the Matthew text and I'll preach a stewardship text to you this morning. Because nobody likes those either. <laughs> But as I looked at this text in Matthew 25, what I discovered is, even though we use this text all the time for stewardship in the church, it's really not a stewardship text. So I'm gonna ask my friends here, Jane, Laura, Alan, Debbie, will you come up here please? You're gonna, these, these are the Vance players now that today. You don't have to do anything but stand there. I checked with everybody else, but you'll be fine. I'm going to give you this, Alan, I'll give you this, right. and I'm going to give you this, and I'm going to be the narrator, but when it says, the king says, or the master says, you read this part. Right. Okay? You stand here in front of your bag. You stand here in front of your bag. You stand here. You don't get no bag. Here are your, here, is, here is your possessions, Alan, to give to them. Excellent. as we go okay this is Matthew 25 starting at the 14th verse Jesus says for is it a man it, for it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted them to and entrusted his property to them now remember this word entrusted we're going to talk about, but it really means give. He gave his property to them. Oh! hmm. To one, he gave five talents. To another, he gave two. And to another, he gave one. Each according to his or her ability. Then he went away. The one who received five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. You got two there, you got doubled your money. There you go. Woo! In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more. Woohoo! She doubled her money. But the one who received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received five talents came forward bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more. And his master said to him,
2: Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. mm mm-hmm.
1: And then the one who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But the master replied,
2: You wicked and lazy slave, You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For all those who have, more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth."
1: Gnashing of teeth. There it is. (laughs) And scene. And scene. The Vance players, everyone, yay. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Now, watch a couple of things. Which one of these three was the best capitalist? This one has all of these. This one has all of these. And this one has all of nothing. Which one was the best capitalist? The one who not only doubled his money, but got the wicked slaves as well, right? Which one was the best Jew? The answer will surprise you. But it was actually this one. Jewish law forbid investing. Because if you invest and it goes wrong, you're in big trouble. Isn't that interesting? We've forgotten that about the servant who lost what he had had been given, because he's he's named as wicked, but he was just trying to be be a good Jew. Now watch this text from the beginning because it's confusing, and we have imposed lots of things upon it that act- aren't, actually aren't in it. So it starts out, and the the, the man, the, the 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 master, if you will, the text says, gives property to his servants. See. When, when the master comes back and says, hey, how'd you do? We ended up with, with them giving it back to him. But the text doesn't say that. The text says he gave it to them. The word is paradidomi, which is give. He gave it to them. If you read this text very carefully, nowhere does he take his possession back gave it to them. So this guy here has five talents, and this guy here has four talents, and this guy here has his one talent taken away, and look where it goes. It doesn't go back to the master. The master gave it up. It goes to the one who is found to be most faithful. Now watch this, what does the text say that these two think about the master? Let's see, one who had five talents came forward bringing five more and saying master, you handed over to me five talents, see I've made five more. I don't see where he's saying anything about the master the master says to him well done trustworthy slave you've been trustworthy in a few things and I'll put you in charge of many enter the joy of your master's kingdom or enter the joy of your master he doesn't say anything about what he thinks about the master the guy with two talents master you handed me two talents and I've made two more Doesn't say anything about what he thinks about the master, but this guy right here, the one with one, oh, does he have an opinion about this master. Look what he says. He says, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid. And it went and hid your talent in the ground. You gave it to me. So it's mine to do what I want. I hid it in the ground. And here it is. If you want it back, you can have it back. But I knew you were a wicked, I knew you were a harsh man. And then as aptly uh, acted out today, the master says, you wicked and lazy slave, you knew that I did not know. Master doesn't deny that he's a harsh man. You knew that I reap where I don't sow. Why didn't you invest with the bankers? You lose what I gave you. You lose what I gave you. The difference, the difference between these three is really not the return. The difference between these three is their opinion of the master. These two must have thought something positive about the master. This one did not. This one knew the master was difficult, was harsh, earned things that didn't belong to him, turned his back on him in times of disease and distress, wasn't present when he was needed most, wasn't there when when he sat in a hospital waiting room, begging for the life of his best and closest friend. No, this one knew that this God here was not helpful. Did not answer his needs. This one here looked at the world and said the world is a mess so this God must not care. This God knew. This guy knew that that God was of no use to him. The difference between these three was their opinion of the Master. These two could risk giving up what they had. They could risk using their talent, they could risk possibly failing. Because they had enough trust in the grace of the Master to know that they were free to fail. That it would be okay if it all didn't work out the way they thought it should, or he thought they should, this one did not trust that grace. This one lost everything. Friends, This is only marginally a text about stewardship. I mean, of course, the notion is that in stewardship, we trust that God has given us great gifts, and therefore we are entrusted to give some back to God. And generally, when we talk about that, we're talking about money. But if we're truly reformed, we know that we're talking about time, talent, ties, but this one puts a whole new spin on it. It's not just about what you give, it's about what you understand the Master is all about. not a harsh and wicked man who is mad at you. God is not mad at you, God is madly in love with you. You can risk it all, fall flat on your nose, And God will pick you up and walk right beside you all the way. No need to hide your talents. No need to fear. Receive the grace of God. Amen.